0: TL Talk Radio, Season 5, Episode 11. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 11 of TL Talk Radio, a regular podcast with Lynn Funihatton and Randy Ziegenfuss, where our goal is to engage you in learning, motivate you to share your work, and inspire you to lead for the change we need in schools for the digital age. I'm Randy Ziganfoos,
1: And I'm Lynn Funihatton. Good morning, Randy. Good morning, Lynn. So, direct from Paris, France <laughs> this morning, uh, we're speaking, or afternoon, I should say, for our guest. We're speaking with Craig Vizina, founder and executive director of Z-School, an online project-based learning nonprofit that helps young people harness their strengths and passions to further causes and solve the problems that they are most passionate about. Craig founded Z School in 2016 and for almost 20 years served as a history teacher, guidance counselor, administrator in leading international schools. He's also co-founder of the augmented reality company, RealCast, and is passionate about the potential of immersive technologies to enhance teaching and learning. So looking forward to hearing a little bit more about what that can look like in our schools.
0: Yes. So welcome to the show, Craig. Oh, it's great to be here. Let's start the conversation with a personal story, a personal story about how you got connected to this work of releasing the power in our youngest generation to change the world by engaging with the issues they most care about.
2: Sure. Yeah. So, just really brief uh, background. I grew up in New England, small town, New England, and um, and went to college in small town, New England. And so, my my top priority after college was to go and see the world a bit. And I I found probably the best job uh, right out of college at an international school in Salzburg, Austria. Um, and didn't necessarily have the idea at that point that I would you know invest my my life in education, but I certainly enjoyed it, and, and ended up uh, working in several other international schools in, in Croatia and in, in Paris. And your listeners may not know the international school system uh, too much, but they're amazing schools. So you have you have you know an American population. So these might be you know kids of diplomats, um, people from uh, international businesses, or just um, families that would like to to live abroad. Um, but they are, as the name suggests, very, very international in makeup. So, had an opportunity in 20 years in in schools to um, see kids from different cultures, um, the way they think, um, to be very much inspired by you know their their mindsets and their creativity. But um, but just sort of thinking more and more, you know, how are schools both in the U.S. and abroad? How are we helping students both with you know global citizenship? Um, uh, education and um, sort of creative problem solving education. And what I latched onto, especially in the last few years, is the sense that we are kind of missing opportunities with service learning. So, so in a lot of schools, for example, uh, we do a fantastic job of getting buy-in, tell students that service is important, um, especially in America, we're really good at that. Um, But I think that schools often fall back into, you know, what we've been doing since I was young, really, which is you have these clubs that you can sign up for, and, um, you know, they're long-standing and they're sort of traditions. You're going to do bake sales, and you're going to do other things to to raise some money. You're going to send a check. Perhaps you do something more on the ground. Um, You volunteer. You go to a soup kitchen, things of that nature. Um, And that's all good. It certainly has its place. It's important. But... But the bar um, is set pretty low in the sense that we're not necessarily inviting kids to be really creative and to actually think like, what are my strengths? What are, what am I passionate about? And what is the issue that I'm passionate about? And how can I bring those two together so that I can actually have a positive impact? And I think that's something that schools um, certainly want. And but schools are are trying to figure out, you know, how do we do that? What does it look like when we do that well? And so that's sort of um the work that I I set upon and try to connect with you know other like-minded people to to figure out a way to do it.
0: So what are what are some examples of, of changing the world, some of these sort of big challenges that you see um, Generation Z taking on?
2: Yeah, well it's you know we talk about changing the world, but as you know, you know all all problems are, are local, and you know all impact has has got to be local, um, at least in its in its roots. Um, so, uh, you know, in my mind, the spectrum of issues that kids are passionate about is is really broad, um, and it can range from you know um, global climate change to to bullying to um, LGBT rights to um, on and on down the line. Um, so so the, I think the challenge is how do you, A, help young people to kind of figure out what they're passionate about, which is easier said than done, um, and then how do you provide opportunities for them to, to do something with that? So um, you know, right now, for example, we're, we're involved in a number of projects, but the first goal is just trying to surface, you know, kind of crowdsource, if you will. What is it that that these young people care about, and we're still in the process of figuring that out mm-hmm.
1: so let's let's talk a little bit about generation Z first um, to try to give a big picture of you know how are these learners different from previous generations, and why is that important to us as educators?
2: yeah i think I think listening to previous shows um I think both of you have children, and I have four young daughters as well so so a lot of um, my thinking in the lens is through, like just being a father and observing. Um, but I certainly have I've read a lot of studies, even though it's early, about this generation, and they kind of um, confirm what I'm what I'm observing at home. So, for example, um, these this generation has never known a world where a smartphone was not just a ubiquitous and ever-present, um, you know, uh, element in their lives. Um, They've they've grown up in a world sort of post 911 where um, not only does the the world seem smaller than it, in previous generations, but they're sort of bombarded with media all the time about different um, issues. And what we're learning is that this generation sincerely, authentically wants to be part of solutions, right? So they're not interested in superficial and passive um, service, if you will. They're interested in really having an impact. And even some studies are showing that things like salary and benefits, which will always be important, are kind of, you know, no more important than having a sense of you know, purpose and actually um, doing good, which is really encouraging. Mm-hmm. Not all signs are encouraging. You know, we're, we're pretty familiar also with um you know, a sense of, um, lack of moderation with screens and <laughs> some of the things that happen online are certainly very worrying, but, um, but there's there's a lot of positive signs as well.
1: Mm-hmm. So having a 15 year old, I, I personally experienced the lack of moderation with screen time. <laughs> <laughs> I think I may experience yeah. that myself sometimes too.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I think whoever figures out a way to, um, To help parents with that problem is going to be a a very wealthy person. (laughs) Mm,
1: That would be a niche.
0: So tell us a little bit more about the work of Z School and how you're achieving your mission. And can you give us some specific examples and how our listeners might get involved in Z School?
2: Sure. So, um, so, So first of all, what I... What I attempt to do with Z-School is to consider what are the constraints of actual schools, right? Because Z-School is not replacing brick-and-mortar schools. It never could. Um, but it can operate outside those constraints. So, for example, um, it's asynchronous. So we're, we're digital. Um, we have programs that kids um, uh, can, can follow on their phones, um, again, meeting them where they are. Um, that are bite sized, that are swipeable, sort of all of the, um, the things that appeal to them. Um, but we also are, I know you talked in one, in one show with Tom Markham, who's yes. the author of the Handbook on Project Based Learning. Mm-hmm. He's my co founder. So we're very much a project based learning um, program. And so, you know, once we give a foundation to young people, how can we get them sort of um, going on their own path to not only understand an issue? to develop um, possible solutions to them. So, so there's that sort of coaching component as well, um, which is not as easy to scale as the curriculum piece, but um, but nonetheless, you know, very important. And what Tom does in his work is, is really essential in working with educators on, on how to, to do project-based learning for, for real-world projects. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so what we're doing right now is... Um, we have a special focus on this theme of moral courage. Um, and the reason why is I found if you ever ask a kid, like what's a problem that you care about, or even ask an adult, what do you care about? That's a tough, that's a really tough <laughs> question to answer. You would think it'd be easy, but it's, it's not. Um, but if you sort of approach it more from the heart or more from an emotional perspective, like what's, what's a, an instance where you saw someone show moral courage, right? Then, then not only is it not so personal and therefore a little bit easier, but the, the instinctive answer is, is a very very telling one. You know, it's who do I look up to and why do I look up to them? Um, so, so what we're doing right now is a theme of moral courage, both telling the stories of people around the world who have used moral courage to solve a problem, um, but then inviting young people to tell just just that you know who is someone in your life everyday people you know people in your home people in your school in your community how have they shown moral courage and and i believe through that not only will we have you know a lot of inspiration but we'll we'll help people understand like the, the many forms that it takes and the many forms that it that it could take going forward
0: as as uh, you're sharing this here the the thought is going through my head and this, the challenge of us in education, we're sort of in this sort of insulated world. And, you know, how much do we know as educators uh, about those things that our kids truly care about? And obviously, we need to start with that conversation and have that conversation from the heart, like you say. But it's just, I think it's, Probably very foreign to many educators to be able to take that leap, um, and I'm I'm wondering, do you see that as a barrier or a challenge as you're working to scale this uh, this idea up?
2: Yeah, and and like I said, you know, schools perform an essential function which you know we could, we could never replace, but you know, schools. Um, you know, I was certainly guilty of this. like we we have a tendency to, to sort of add more on to what we expect from teachers. And some teachers are are game and they're excited and and some are not. but um, but I think I, again, talking about the constraints, you know one of the constraints is that we provide this type of conversation and training for teachers. We don't provide it for parents. And if you think about it, parents are, you know, the ones who are more likely to be talking to young people about these issues and, and how are they going to solve them. It's, it's good for the family, but it's also just good for, you know, providing some kind of support structure. So so to answer your question, we do want to provide and we do provide professional development opportunities for for teachers, but we we want to kind of question all of assumptions and see not only um, teachers, but parents and coaches and other community leaders as um as teachers in, in, in this sense. Um, so, so that's, that's sort of, um, a key part of how we can do this at scale. Mm
1: -hmm. I'm, I'm still connected to the moral imperative. Um, thinking about, you know, how, how do you bring all of the families together too, right? Because we all have Mm -hmm. different ideas of what this moral imperative is and how Mm -hmm. is that a unique challenge for the generation Z learners and ourselves? So, just sort of in thinking about this globally. We're here in the United States. You were from New England. You're over in um, France right now. Like, yep, and how yep. is that perspective different based on where you are? Um, so, yeah. sort of the local values, the global values, the fam- <laughs> yeah. family values. So, a lot to think about. Hadn't thought about it in that context.
2: Yeah, and, and I'm no, I'm not a philosopher, um, but you know, I do think that there's something about moral courage, which is truly um, universal and just it's about our humanity right mm-hmm. so there's, there's a political religious you know divide that doesn't allow people to you know enter you know a question um through that lens um and obviously we have different politics and and beliefs um but the word moral i think is a really nice kind of um guide to to what this is about mm-hmm. um and I would I would venture to say, even though we're still early, <clears throat> that if you were to talk to young people in South America and Asia and North America and Europe, that the types of um, um, feelings, the types of concerns um, would would be very remarkably similar.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and um, and that you know, going back to global citizen education, chip, mm-hmm. uh, education is really um, I think that's that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I'm connecting to the model UN global goals and thinking this. It would be hard for anybody to argue with any of those goals from where they are perspective, regardless of religion or politics. And and I'm making that connection to the moral, the moral courage. So interesting, interesting lens. Thanks for bringing that up and sharing it with
2: us. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So one of your videos on the Z School site features your talk at Big Bang. Uh, Singapore in 2008 and we linked it in our show notes so that our listeners can check it out and here you shared some thoughts about technologies and education particularly AR and VR how do you see primary and secondary education using these tools for powerful learning experiences you know especially as we move into this fourth industrial revolution
2: yeah yeah and um in, so, so your listeners don't think that I'm all over the map. You know, there's, there's sort of a method to my madness and why I'm interested in these technologies is, you know, again, as a father as well, that there's no question these are going to be extremely powerful and they're going to, um, they're gonna, in a lot of ways, shape what the future will look like and for better or worse. And I feel like with the, the Internet, which, you know, it's, it kind of grew not so long ago, um, that we, we just kind of react all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have an opportunity with artificial intelligence and augmented reality, virtual reality, in these early stages to say, this is coming, it's coming in a big way. Um, how can this be used for good? And not only as adults, how can we think about that, but how can we engage young people in that conversation? So, so for example, virtual reality, augmented reality could just be used for violent video games. Mm-hmm. certainly will be. Um, but... Um, we all want to avoid that, so let's be proactive um, in thinking about it. So, so as an example, one of the things that our augmented reality company is working on is how do we help young people understand history um, through this technology in places where history actually happened. So, I'm in Paris, um, awesome city for history, um, and a lot of times I would take students to a castle, and you know it was beautiful and it was cool, but. And they would hear the guide kind of walking them around as a group. You know, this is what happened, whatever, whatever. But what if we use augmented reality to actually bring the history alive in that in that authentic context? So um, we work, for example, with with a, a medieval castle, and you have a knight where the, the knight is telling you what's happening with the English invading during the, the Hundred Years' War, and um, he's asking you to do things to help the situation. And it is like a video game in that way. But when you have that type of experience, not only is it um, quite memorable, um, but in fact, the brain doesn't do a great job of distinguishing between, you know, was that real or was it not? Like the brain research tells us that um, augmented reality, virtual reality, are they kind of leave the same type of deep imprints as real reality, which is scary. Um, But also quite interesting if you think about the potential for education. So it's very early days, um, but we're using it for history for now. But the day uh, is probably not too far off when this will be also a ubiquitous uh, technology. And it can certainly be used in exciting ways um, for education. Mm
1: -hmm. And we're just starting to see that now and, and thinking, you know, Maybe we didn't we didn't realize how the iPhones were going to become uh, so yeah. ubiquitous, and you know we didn't realize the power of that device, and that's probably where yeah. we are right now. We don't realize the power of of these um, emerging technologies.
2: Yeah, and I can give you an even even simpler example. You've probably seen um, some of the, the Google experiences um, with Google Cardboard, but you know not everyone will have the chance to come to to Paris. Um, but uh, with this technology, you can kind of have the next best thing where you can, you can go to the Louvre and you can see some of the works of art. And it's, it's just a much more dynamic, um, interesting experience than reading about it in a book, for example, or even a two-dimensional YouTube video. Um, so, so already there's a, there's a lot of use cases out there, but the technology is just going to become stronger and stronger um, going forward
0: so a lot of connections here in our conversation that i personally have been making in terms of thinking about the future that's something um that we're very interested in here but also how do we tap better tap into um this uh, generation and mm-hmm. uh elevate their voice in in the change that we're trying to bring about so um appreciate yep. that in our conversation today mm-hmm. Um, So before we wrap this up and invite you to share what's next for you, uh, we have a couple of lightning round questions that we ask each of our guests this season. Um, So we have three. And if you could just give us uh, a quick response and then we'll make sure that those uh, resources that you share get put into our show notes for our listeners to access. So who is one expert our listeners should connect with to learn more about this idea of releasing the agency of Generation Z to change their world?
2: Um, well, there's there's lots of well-known uh, people that, that I'm sure your listeners know of, people like Ken Robinson, um, Tony Wagner, and others. What I, what I think is um, is is less known are people who are actually doing this, you know, so so using young people's creativity and innovation um, in ways that are that are you know really inspiring and impactful. So. So I I would point again uh, to Tom Markham, um, who is just a great um, expert in project-based learning, who who works with schools all around the world, and who has seen what this looks like when it's done well. Uh, So Tom is spelled T-H-O-M. He's got a fantastic book called um, Redefining Smart, um, which I recommend to your listeners.
0: And we've had Tom on the podcast a couple of times, so we'll definitely uh, link to uh, his work, as well as the couple of podcasts that he's uh, worked with us on. So second question, if you were recommending one book to our listeners on this topic, what would it be? Well,
2: I, a great book that I only discovered um, in the past year is um, it's called The Magic of Thinking Big. Which is um, it's pretty old at this point. I think it's been around for about sixty years. Um, but it, it's essentially it's all about our our mindsets and you know how what are sort of the the constraints or limitations that we put on ourselves even before we begin tackling a problem. Um, you know what are, what is sort of the negative baggage that we take on and if we were to break free of that, um, you know how might we frame things differently? So. Uh, it's a fantastic book, um, easy to find. It's called The Magic of Thinking Big.
0: Interesting. I've not heard of that one. i going to go check that check out, out, see if I can get a copy and and read it. Uh, last question. What online resource person do you access to fuel your passion for this work? So how do you keep learning?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, there, there's, um, well, I love podcasts, for example, and your podcast is a good, good example of one that I recommend to your listeners, um, but um as a website, there's a fantastic website called 200women.com. Um, so I think it's just the the number 200 and then women. And this was an amazing uh, project um, led out of New Zealand where they they did these profiles of 200 women across across the world um, who are working in, in different areas, uh, very heroic, each of them. Many of them um, totally unknown, some of them very well-known, like Winnie Mandela. And, um but um, you know, some of our partners are featured in there. But what I love about the work that they've done is um, it's very much, going back to Generation Z, it's very much um, presented in a way that um, aligns with just the way we interact with media these days. So it's fantastic video, um, a lot of fantastic visual, certainly some text, but, um, but it's a nice multimedia combination. But the, the profiles there, are, um, incredibly inspiring, incredibly enlightening. And again, going back to global citizenship, um, giving you kind of voices from, from all around the globe.
0: Excellent. Well, thanks so much for those resources. That's, that's been a a nice addition to our podcast this season. And we get to sort of take a peek inside the brain of our guests Mm -hmm. and what they're thinking about and how they continue to learn. So thank you. Absolutely.
1: So last question, what's next for you, Craig? What are you working on now or what are you working on near the future that you'd like to share with our listeners?
2: Yeah, so the, the Moral Courage uh, project that I mentioned is one that we're in the, in the thick of right now. And we expect that um, before the end of this calendar year, um, we'll have something on our website that we think is going to be very interesting to parents, to kids, to, to educators. Um, and I'll share that, that link with you. Um, your your listeners might also be interested to know that we we have um, close to ready a um, basically a student advocacy course which is designed to be both Ooh. self-directed and project-based and and again thinking about the constraints of schools schools often want this but they can't shoehorn one more thing in um, to the you know nine nine to three thirty schedule so it's something that um, that is designed you know for for students. For, of different ages, for teachers who want to learn more about this, and even for parents. So that's something that um, is going to be ready probably um, mid-November. Um, and so uh, on our website, you'll be able to, um, to access that.
1: Excellent. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Craig. Um, for our listeners, we've listed a bunch of resources in the show notes, uh, the resources that Craig shared, as well as a couple of video links um, for some talks he's done. And we'll have all that available for you.
0: So thanks again, Craig. Glad we finally got connected and very inspired by the work that you and the Z School team are doing. Thank well, you. Well, thank you so
2: much, both of you. And, and I really enjoy the show. Keep up the great work.
0: All right.
1: Very kind.
0: Each episode, we leave you with a question to think about with the idea of provoking reflection and conversation. This episode's question, what ways is your learning environment supporting learners to take action to create their world? And what have you learned today that can support your journey? If you've enjoyed this episode, would like to comment or check out the resources shared on the show, visit the notes, the show notes at tltalkradio.org and look for Season 5, Episode 11. That's all for this episode. We'll be back soon with another conversation featuring another innovative thought leader. Thanks again, Craig.
1: Thanks, Craig. Bye-bye.
0: All right, take care.